0: Welcome to Cybersecurity Insights, the podcast for the cybered.io learning community. Our goal is to bring cybersecurity practitioners the latest and most relevant education and training to upskill and dive deeper into topics that matter in today's modern cybersecurity world.
1: Good day everyone, this is Steve King. I'm the uh, managing director at cybered.io. With me today is Rodrigo Lang, co-founder and CEO of SambaNova Systems. SambaNova is a leader in enterprise-scale AI solutions. Rodrigo has deep roots in Stanford and university and the ecosystem there. And he and his co-founders had designed a full-stack hardware software platform optimized for AI workflows, which set the company on a mission to enable the future of AI for the enterprise. Contrary, we've had a, you know, I just spent a week at RSA and talked to a lot of people, and there were a lot of differing views about AI. So it'll be great to hear what you have to say, Rodrigo, today, because I think you're you and I agree that we're witnessing a probably the fastest industrial revolution in history, at least in my lifetime. And it's happening right in, right before us, the way that I've never seen product release cycles, if you can call them that, happen the way that they've happened in the last four months. So um, I'm delighted to have you here today, and uh, thanks for joining us.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me, Steve. Yeah, wonderful to be here. And uh, yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's the fastest industrial revolution we've seen. And I've been telling people this and people kind of, you know, usually pause and scratch their heads like, yeah, it sounds about right, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but uh, we're excited to be in the middle of all this and watching watching uh, the technology enable people to do these just, just amazing things. And so uh, really excited to be able to share some of those with your audience today.
1: Yeah, and if this is uh, if the last four months were an example of future scale, I can only dream of what the next four years are going to look like. So um, it's very exciting. Tell us a little bit about SambaNova and how you fit into, I guess we'll call it the AI space.
0: Right. Yeah. So I started this company back in 2017 with with two Stanford professors, and uh, at the time we were thinking about how these models were progressing, how these artificial intelligence models were evolving. Because, you know, I mean, machine learning is not something that's been just recently invented. It's been around for decades, but we've recently, over the past 10 years, gotten to the point where the capabilities of these models are doing these amazing things now. And yet, you know, what you're seeing people do with them today is still just the beginning of a multi-decade journey that you're going to see these technologies evolve, right? And so we started looking at this from the angle of how can we make technology available to everybody, right? Because the trends were that the largest companies in the world, the Googles, the Facebook, the, the biggest companies in the world were already investing significant amounts of money and people and energy into developing these amazing capabilities that artificial intelligence was enabling, but how does everybody else do it, right? How does everybody, every other company in the world, every other individual in the world who do not have that level of investment ability keep up with such a transformative technology shift? One that's akin to the internet, right? Where we saw this back in the late 90s, if you did not embrace the internet, within a few years, you were irrelevant, right? The economy became 100% internet driven, I believe the economy is going to be 100% artificial intelligence driven, right? Not to say that that's going to be the product, but it will be the means by which we do commerce. It will be the means by which we do business engagement in everything in the world. Right? And if you don't have it, you will be at a significant disadvantage. And so Salmanova, we came in with the technology stack that ultimately was supposed to solve, you know, that that we thought about how do we solve that for most of the companies. The answer here, the answer how to do that is threefold. One, you have to simplify the technology stack. Sure, there are chips involved, there are models involved, there are software, hard, all sorts of things that people have to become experts in if you're going to do it yourself. And so some of the, we embrace this idea of a full stack so that your point of interface is as a user, right? You don't need to become a large language model expert or a computer vision expert or a uh, time series expert. What you have to do is just bring your data and allow artificial intelligence to help you gain insights. So that's one, okay? So just the simplification simplifications of the interface to what's ultimately a fairly sophisticated stack, right? So we build that full interface for you. The second piece of it is We've come to realize uh, over the first few years of, of sumanova that the access to machine learning expertise so to these engineers that are getting hired by the Googles and Microsofts and, and to some extent sumanova that skill set is extremely difficult to follow. And so if you're a Fortune 2000 or Global 2000 company looking for these machine learning experts, it's extremely difficult to to hire them. And so what we decided to do was offer that technology stack as a service, as a service to companies that do not want to or are finding it hard to hire all those people. And we come in and we do it on your behalf to, to allow our expertise to become an extension of the company. And then finally, the third piece of it is being able to actually create privacy and ownership and security, which is probably the most interest to your audience today, which is we fundamentally believe that data is the crown jewels of every company and models trained on your data are ultimately the most powerful vehicle to gain access to that information. Most companies don't know what they know, right? Right. But with these large language models that you, as you're seeing today, just train on public data, on internet open domain data is already incredibly powerful. Imagine what it can do if it was trained on your personal data, right? And so what someone does is we'll bring the entire tech stack to wherever your data is, especially to your most sensitive data and allow you to actually create a model that's your own. Owning the model, Owning the model will become a critical item to most companies because they do not want to actually give away that insight and give away that data and that knowledge to other people. And so, all these companies are trying to use shared models, use open vendor models, it becomes something that they cannot own in the long term. And so, what we at Sumanova do is we actually come and help you build your own so you can own your own models based on your data in perpetuity.
1: Yeah, that certainly makes sense from a business model point of view and in particular given what you point out is the biggest or at least one of the biggest challenges is to find people that are you know adequately trained in in how to build things here with knowledge of large language models. And from a cybersecurity point of view, I've been talking with several companies now that have product already that are focused on the, you know, what you would not be surprised to find are the labor-intensive portions of the incident life cycle where, you know, you are got SOC analysts looking at a lot of data over a long period of time and trying to pick out, you know, separate wheat from chaff relative to, you know, false positives and real threats. You know, we had, and then we had the 1,000 signature, I think it was more like 2,000 letter which honorably suggests that we should, that we should slow this down. Of course, you know nobody else in the world is going to. Are we exposing ourselves to a massive cyber security threat, and how, and and are we currently protected at all against the bad actors who are going to use this stuff against us?
0: You know, Steve. You know, I, I started working in the early 90s and, you know, by the time internet was really in full force, people were talking about the fact that, look, we, we've now cracked open the doors for all sorts of people to hack into our systems, our data. You know, we've got, you know, all these security issues now. We've got data being exposed. We have fraud being committed, you know, through all these different access points now and all sorts of issues. And guess what? Twenty twenty 20 some years later. They all became true, right? They right. all became true. And yet there's probably not a single person on this planet. Maybe, maybe there might be one or two, but the, the large, large, large majority of the world would not go back to the world without the internet, right? And so I think we're facing the same challenges, that the technology transition from pre-internet to post-internet was so significant, not just from a technology perspective, but it lifted entire economies. Right, that people could out of their garage, you suddenly have a global business, and we forget that prior to that, you know, you couldn't do that, right? That you have could have a global business just selling out of your garage, and so we have these technologies that have completely transformed the way that we operate. I mean, I'm specifically focused on the, you know, on the, on the business world, right? But that. The technology has lifted that and has come with challenges, would then create an ecosystem to go and try to safeguard against it, right? Which many of your audiences today part of that uh, you know, part of that ecosystem to help us protect against the bad actors, because the bad actors will always be there. They're, they're only figuring out what tools are available to them for them to be bad actors, right? And so artificial intelligence for sure will follow a similar path where. It's going to create entire economies that we, haven't, we have yet to imagine. It's going to open markets to people who never thought they could ever get access to those markets because maybe they thought they didn't have the knowledge or the expertise or whatever. And suddenly that knowledge and expertise is delivered to them in a form of artificial intelligence. Yeah. And it's going to open up these ways that... We have to be able to protect ourselves and entire industries are going to come get created to protect against it. So here, here's an example that I want to give. uh, You know, this may be something your audience already knows about. You know, with artificial intelligence, the single largest exposure now is Trojan horse, right? And so if you think about what's happening, when people use models out there, just, you know, whatever public models there are out there that people are using, you know, for playing, you know, getting getting their knowledge, you know, getting lyrics, uh, Jay-Z lyrics uh, for, for your company written. Like, one of the first things that somebody did when ChatGPT came out was they they created a summon over rap, you know, in the form of Jay-Z, right? And so it was, it was fun, Right. And yet, I think if you actually really think about how those capabilities are being created, it's created by crawling the World Wide web and getting all that knowledge integrated into a single model that allows us to understand what the world understands. Does that make sense? And so now that's open data, open model. And so what is actually out in the world in, in the open domain is not entirely clear, right? And so your subject, you're actually exposed to this. And this is why I say your biggest risk net right now is these models are getting integrated into business processes, into company policies, into various different things without knowing exactly what got in there. So if you're thinking about doing a co-pilot for coding, hey, give me a little snippet of code that does this function. If you do not understand what went into it, you're exposing yourself to actually have code base that actually has a Trojan horse in it. And if you're starting to integrate that piece of code into all your applications, you're exposed, right? Yeah, and, and so one of the main things we advocate 100% inside Summonova is open models, right? are companies are doing closed models. They don't share it with you way. the ways, how, how they train it. And what we are absolutely proponents of is open models. Open models means... Show me how you trained it. Show me all the trace, everything you did. So allow me to test and make sure that to the extent that we can, we're protecting ourselves from having those things baked into a model that we're then integrated into the west, rest of our products, applications, and workflows, right? And that's what over does. So we always start, when we actually talk to businesses, we start with the first question you have to ask yourself. The first question you have to ask yourself is, Do you, as a business, do you believe that your business has critical enough data that you must own your models? Owning the models meaning I get to see the weights, I get to open, I get to test it, I get to modify, I get to have it in perpetuity, even if I decide not to keep the 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 vendor of Rich and Buffer. All of that equals owning versus I just run somebody's copy, right? I run somebody's copy either in the public domain or in private or in the cloud. It doesn't matter, right? But if I believe I have to own it. Then you are on a different path from using a consumer-grade model.
1: Yeah, and that changes the entire business paradigm too—from you know common use, uh, public access to you know proprietary data models, essentially, right? That upon which you're going to run your business and dominate your market segment. I I think you know what.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, I think there are three. There're three tiers that you know I really hope your audience can understand, right? There're three tiers of exposures that come with these models and and again, we fundamentally believe that these models will tra- transform your business. Full stop, right? That, that you you know, the, you'll have to start on this journey because these models are so powerful and they're doing so much that it will collapse the cost structures that you've had for decades by 10x which frees those resources and investment to actually do generative things for your business, creative things for your business, versus the administrative things that the robots are now much better at doing. And so 100%, you have to embrace the technology that's coming. But with that, I start with the question that, look, do you have to own the model? And the reason I say that is there are three exposures that businesses have all the time, when it comes to this type of thing. One you saw with, very recently, the Samsung leak. Okay, so if your audience hasn't hasn't, uh, seen that, what, what it is, is every time you're engaging with chat GPT or public model, what people don't understand is every question becomes in perpetuity part of the corpus for that model, right? And so if somebody comes and say, hey, what is, you know, what's happening? Uh, with this company let me understand more about that company in perpetuity they will associate those queries and those questions with that individual it's almost like you know this disclosing your google searches right and right. so people don't understand that that's becoming part of the shared corpus that the entire world has access to right, right. And this is what you that the uh, the engineers were Trying to you know do some some stuff in their code and they posted the code to actually generate some some stuff off of their code base which was private but then that code base is now in perpetuity part of the model, right? Anybody can pull that code down now, right? Because it's like oh what is that code you know so so that's leak number one that people aren't understanding just the use model of what a shared a shared model a shared backbone means a shared background means every engagement with the model becomes part of the global model that everybody has access to so we have to educate people on exactly how to engage with that that's one the second one that i think people have to understand is and this is what i touched on those models are trained on public web crawl right this is Every everything that's on the web, it's not it, it's not biased one way of the or the other, It's just whatever's out there in the web. Right. And so when people say, hey, this thing hallucinates, sometimes says inappropriate things, sometimes gets racist, whatever. Well, it's whatever's on the web. Right. And so the qualification of how this model responds needs to actually be done carefully by industries, especially industries that actually have to be certain on the responses that the machine gives. We advocate that you have to be able to open the model so you can test it, verify it, make sure you can exclude certain data sets from places that you don't believe you follow your business, right? Or, you know, tied to kind of the values that your business has, or, you know, I mean, you, you want to be able to actually verify that the behavior of this model, which ultimately becomes a representation of your business if you're using it as part of your workflow, truly does represent your business. Most people don't understand how those models got generated, exactly what it's gonna say, exactly what it's going to do, right? And so that's the second thing that you gotta make sure, understand how this model was created and do you stand behind it? Finally, the third thing we tell people is, these models are generated again, open domain. So it puts as much value on the Jay-Z and Miley Cyrus lyrics and Shakespeare's background as it does for a bank's business. They're all treated equally. If you're that bank, you care about your business, your products, your, pro- your customers, your process, your people, a thousand times more than you care about some yeah, social media influencer. And so what we promote is this idea of you have to train these models on your data. Your data is more important than the public domain data. And so you want to be able to gather insights off of your data at a higher level of importance than Jay-Z and Mindy Cyrus, right? because you're running a business. So in order to do that, you need to own the model because your data, your, should be your model, right? And so those are three things that we focus our clients to understand when you're, if you're serious, if you're serious on this AI transition, You have to protect yourself. You have to understand what's gone into it. And you have to be able to to come in and protect yourself on the security side so you don't have data IP leaks into the domain. You have to protect yourself by not having Trojan horse come in and so understand all the data sources that came in to train this model. And then finally, making sure that if you've trained a model for the highest value, that means that you incorporate your data into it. You want to protect that model.
1: Right. So the more risk-averse industries and businesses among us, like banking, like insurance, etc., are going to be laggards. I assume in early adoption of this particular technology. What what's that going to do? That's going to create a startup environment that should be very rich and and very aggressive and leave a lot of a lot of these companies in in the lurch you know at the and then with the additional vectors that are kind of flying around in the west now with banking being so vulnerable to closure and uh, as a result of not operating best practices there seems like there'll be a lot of disruption in that space what's your what's your view of that
0: yeah that's right i I actually think you know highly regulated environments are rightfully most conservative and most careful in this space and that's fundamentally where we find the most traction as well today as a startup in ai we're the most deployed in the u.s government right and so governments are very careful about this because their information in many many cases is extremely sensitive right
1: and so we've deployed yeah, but in- most of that is already stolen <laughs> and owned by our adversaries so.
0: <laughs> well, you know all that said, you know, I think our, yeah our governments are very careful, you know but yeah th- that's probably true. I think the banks you know, and, and we've deployed a number of banks now as well, where the banks, here's the interesting part. It's actually today one of the more aggressive industry when it comes to artificial intelligence adoption.
1: Do you think that's a function of its labor intensity as well?
0: Yes, exactly. Because the processes that banks have to operate in are labor intensive, they're administrative, and fundamentally, they have to be right, right? So if you think about risk, you think about risk, new GDPR rules come in, and you have to go and scan a a a million contracts or whatever. Those are very labor intensive, and you have to be right because the penalties of being wrong are significant. And mm-hmm. so the machine actually doing a pretty good job of actually helping them with that. Think about like all the data management and tying together various data into all these different systems and making sure that they're right. These systems are actually really good and what we call name entity extraction or name entity recognition extraction, which is pulling information out of all of this unstructured data emails and text messages and, you know, whatever, right? You know, for, you have know, just Slack messages these days, right? You know, all these unstructured messages and pulling the data and putting in places. Machines are really good at these things now. And so when where you have industries and companies where you have a lot of processes, where manual translation is actually a fairly significant part, right? These machines are incredibly, incredibly effective at being tools and parallel assistance, right, to everybody. And so with over, what we said, the way that you can, you know, you can bridge the situation of privacy and yet adoption of the new technology for the step function benefits that AI brings is why we've chosen to go full behind firewall type of solution most of these environments, until they figure out kind of what are all the risks when I expose my data over to a third-party vendor or I expose it to the cloud or expose it to these all these different places. You know, at Samanova, we actually, because we build a full stack, we'll bring the entire stack behind your own firewalls where you're most secure, where you already have all the policies and protections. And we actually let you train your models behind your own firewalls and use them behind the firewalls. That's the safest way today for you to start building your knowledge base, building your processes, building your understanding of artificial intelligence and how it works for your business before you expose your data into an environment that you don't know if the tools and policies are there to protect you. That's what we chose to do. I mean, we're agnostic. We run on the cloud, we run on, you know, on-prem, we run wherever you want to run it. But I would say today, the large majority of our clients are running behind their own firewalls because it's the safest, and they want to see how the market evolves to protect them so that they don't have leaks like we've seen in in these uh, very public cases where people's data got leaked through the models.
1: Yeah, sure. What's to prevent, If you know, if we go back to the idea that a company owning its own Data model, if you will. What, what's to prevent you know, bad guys from replicating that data model and acting as that company? I
0: suppose that that can be, can happen. You know, like you know, it's the same as you know. What prevents somebody from actually replicating your database, right? You know, if you're a large company and you, you know, what what prevents them from replicating your database in your websites and be able to operate? Well, it happens,
1: right? You see it I today. That, like, so let me let me rephrase that. You know, I mean, today's world, you know, we're, we're we have a much more distributed model, right? Where, you know, there is no one central sort of core where all of our critical assets reside, unfortunately, but that's the way it is. And we've got multiple business units and they're kind of spread. And I I think of them as a distributed, you know, database or, or something like that, where you can't kill it all by killing one. But if in fact, you're Promoting the idea of kind of centralized uh, operational business model that would, to me, expose a company to replication by by bad guys, and that's kind oh, of
0: yeah yeah right. I, I understand your question. So so yeah. So I think if you think about kind of the the, the public model, the public models today, right? You know, the chat GPTs of the world is a single model, yeah. Right? It's not just a single model for a company. It's a single model for the world. Everybody you know, engages engages with it. You're contributing to that model and becomes part of that corpus. Okay, and so that's that's full stop. And, and that has all the all the issues that we already talked about. At SummaNova, we actually promote a model where you can build that large central model for yourself. One 175 billion parameter kind of you know your corporate brain. You can do that. We do that for people today, right? But a very common model that we actually really like. Is departments coming in and doing a 13 billion parameter model just for their department for their use case? And here's the reason I say that's good. All right, Steve. So so you think about companies that are trying to get into it. There's several things. If you're in HR, I don't know that you are ready to expose all the HR information to the rest of the company either. Right. If you are in sales in for one region, you may or may not want to expose all that information to other regions, right? So We actually like the idea of departmental knowledge bases, you know, so that you come in and you bring a smaller model, a smaller form factor, build your knowledge for your department, for your people, for your sensitive information and make it accessible only for those people. And then you go and use the same form factor, same infrastructure, but you just retrain it for data for, you know, your legal department. For your sales department, for your engineering, for your software engineering, for your hardware engineering, for your North America, for your uh, EMEA, for your APAC, right? So we actually really like the idea of having local models for local groups. Because one, it gives you all the access. So 80% of the data that you own today is just not accessible to you for from a query perspective. From a, I don't know what it says in all that email and all that text and all the PDFs or that. I just don't know what it says. So if I can give you in your department and your small group a way to access just that information where you can control who accesses and what is baked in there, even just that alone, is a very, very useful model to significant, significantly increase the productivity of the people. You know, we, as someone over here talking about, every knowledge worker in the world will have their own assistant. Right? That's the journey we're on. I don't care if you're in legal, if you're in finance, in manufacturing, in retail, in contact center. I don't care. Every knowledge worker on this planet will have an assistant that you can ask and say, can you generate this slide for me? Can you yeah. generate this report for me? Can you actually do the you know analyze these stats for
1: me? Can you do this? You know,
0: every human, every knowledge worker on this planet
1: will have a system that generates that stuff. Yeah, you. and without and without doing anything, really, right? I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, it takes about three seconds, right? It will take about yeah, three seconds, yeah, yeah. right? But you need the pertinent data next to you, right? right? You need that pertinent data next to you. And that's why we think, yeah, I I I actually really like, I think what you were referring to is. Hey, maybe it's not. Maybe the world is not as one model for the whole company. Maybe the world's actually a bunch of models distributed throughout departments and geographies, so that people can do their local work the best. Well, guess what? We've already seen that model. People have local, you know, intranets, local intranets that allow them to do sharing of documents, right? Sharing of information, sharing of databases, right? But they're localized to their groups. Why wouldn't it be the same? How data is distributed, how data is organized is also how data will be integrated and generated by these machines. Yeah. So why just not replicate that same compartmentalization of data with an artificial intelligence model above it to give you easier access to what information you already have, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. You have that information. You just want to interpret it. You want to generate stuff from it. You want to be able to edit it, modify it, be able to actually generate value out of those things. And if you actually are able to do it from a data database that already exists, we'll keep it within that. Those structures already exist. You don't, you don't have to go invent everything.
1: Right, right. How about we wrap up with a question about the issue around waiting? I don't have a commercial dog in this hunt, so I will say right off the top that there is no benefit to waiting. You, if you're if you're not in the game immediately, then you might as well participate in a different event because you're not going to compete. What is your view about that? And and do you think that there's any real threat here from a global threat actor point of view? And the, and the question there is: Does Congress understand that the Chinese language, for example, is very very different than the similar expression in Latin? And would require just tons of compute capability to do what, what we've already done here.
0: 100%. Yeah, look, what we're doing, what we're talking about today with GPT models, and it's the tip of the spear. Right. It's right. the tip of the spear. Two scary things that people, you know, companies they are thinking about, organizations are thinking about, should I get into AI or not? What we see as kind of like these little blips and kind of announcements that people do, oh, I have this offering now with GPT. I have this thing that's AI enabled, et cetera, et cetera. What they don't see is the mountain of work under the water beneath the iceberg that's happening every single day in some of the largest companies in the world. We see it because we engage with them all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And so over the coming 12 months, you're going to see this explosion of services and products that will attack the market in every single industry. That will completely change the order of those companies within those industries. Because what we see today, I mean, that's one of the things with AI is it's not entirely visible how it's actually getting deployed because it's so silent. You, we, we already see with Alexa's in our, Suddenly, like, Alexa got a little smarter. Certainly Siri got a little smarter. You don't see what's happening. And yet we know, <laughs> working with a lot of the, some of the largest companies, incredible amounts of work is going in every single day with thousands of people being invested into it to build products and services in every industry using AI. And so, yeah, so your first question is, is there reason to wait? No, you're behind already because these companies are investing, even though they're they're only giving you a little glimpse of things that they're doing, the amount of work, all the investments that's happening in AI today is beneath the water, in the iceberg, you know, in a sense, right? It's it's coming. It's coming over the next 12 months. It's going to be a full-on attack on all these services that for years and years and years, we thought that you know the market share would not move. And yet AI is going to represent an opportunity for companies to reorder their market share within the industry in a significant way, because it's certainly going to capture you know things that you couldn't capture before. Here's a quick example. In banking financials, the market share for a long, long time was localized to language barriers. Right. How many companies, how many banks were basically um, protected because they they had the language advantage and kept some of the other you know, foreign banks out? Well, what if suddenly every bank has access to 170 languages and produce Protestant services by you know a, a snap of a finger and they can get into the market now? Where before they couldn't do it, right? And so these are things that are happening right now. And so I would I 100% believe that. You have to start. It's a journey. It's, you're not, not going to get there overnight. You have to get going. We we accelerate people by uh, as much as 18 to 20 months when it comes to getting into the game. And so that's what we do. If, you, if people are feeling behind, we'll give them a hot start. When it comes to languages, like you said, and just, just you know, finding places for a time, I agree, look, look, you know, one that one of our clients is OTP Bank in Hungary, Hungarian, which we now train, have trained, and we actually actually do do a really good job helping that bank understand, comprehend, and generate uh, documents in Hungarian. It's an incredibly difficult language to get right. So we have experience with these complex lang- languages. It's one thing to to train in English. It's one thing to train in Spanish, but it's something else to train in some of these more sophisticated languages. And yet, you're going to need them as you go global because ai is going to touch every company on this planet in every industry in every segment in every single department within those companies and so so hopefully uh this is helpful to your audience to start getting a sense of the journey that we're all going to be going through over the next 10 15 20 years right and like you said there's no reason to hold back in fact if you haven't started yet you know let us uh, let us help you because it's a race with every industry, and, and we've got to get going fast.
1: Indeed, yeah. Thank you, Rodrigo, for taking time out of your day to share a lot of these ideas and discussion with us and our audience, and in particular, Jay-Z and Miley Cyrus, who I'm sure are listening as well. I hope to hook up with you again in, say, I don't know, three to four months to see That's what's great. progressed and you know what we discussed here and see how much of that has become reality or gone well beyond it
0: oh wonderful uh, looking forward to it, steve you know i'm excited to have that conversation again
1: great we'll we'll, we'll stay in touch and thank you to our listeners too for uh, attending another session here and hopefully it was as interesting to you as it was to us and until next time i'm signing off your host steve king take care
0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cybersecurity Insights. You can connect with us on LinkedIn or Facebook, or send us an email at social at cybered.io. For more information about the podcast, visit cybered.io forward slash podcast. Until next week, stay safe and secure, and we'll see you on the next episode of Cybersecurity Insights.